You're putting out fucking MGK vibes today, dude. Am I? Fucking hard. Dude at the liquor store said I look like a Stranger Things kid. (laughs) (laughs) What does that even mean? He said it was the haircut. You mean you look like you're from the 80s? Is it the mullet? I I mean, yeah, I have a mullet. And then (laughs) I think that was his way of saying he didn't think I was 21. You look like you play D&D and your best friend's an alien. (laughs) Who wrote that that show? Get the fuck out of here. Oh, my God. (laughs) You look like your name's Randy and you live somewhere. (laughs) On the river. (sighs) Drew. Spit it out, dude. Welcome to another Phenomenal Photographers Affiliating with Fantastic Fantasy Phantoms While they finger each other's forearms Uncle Gary got caught taking photos of five-year-olds for fake IDs To get into Franklin Street Tavern episode of The Days Grim My name is Brian Michael Day My name is Thomas Grimm And I'm Drew Head What's up, gentlemen? Not much I just got done crying yeah, you did. Yeah, dude, who wrote the fucking who wrote the fucking strangers thing layout? You know, or the yeah, the strangers thing layout. Like, okay, hear me out, guys. All right, you guys hang out in your mom's basement. You play D anD D. Your best friend's an alien. Go, and they I, write an entire show around. That's it. just every eighties movie. <laughs> uh, e. T. You had me rolling at the beginning of the show <laughs> before we start. I was fucking crying. And then I read the wrong notes, so there's that. Are you guys doing okay today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Drew, doing all right. Okay? I was uh, sweating my ass off earlier. It's not. I'm sweating my ass off now. I think I, I think it's the White Russian, um, which very well made, by the way, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. I learned from the best. Uh, speaking of who you learned from, Tom, Tom, joining us this week <laughs> in the Days Grim Studio is. Josh Meredith, how are you? Very well. I'm alive, so I can't complain. Dude, right side of the grass. I know. You know what I mean? It what? could always be worse. Yeah, that's right. You could have polio. It's true. It could be the 50s. Dude, you know, <laughs> it's coming back in a big way. I say that like it's a positive polio? thing. <laughs> yeah, dude. They're, they're... It's coming back like smallpox. We are loving this <laughs> shit. Dude, you could Google it to prove me wrong, but I think there was a 2020 case of polio in like Madagascar. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eradicated in 2020 as at 2022. Epi- hold on. Endemic wild polio virus type one remains in two countries, Pakistan and Afghanistan. So that's why we've been bombing the shit out of those places. That's why. That's where the, all the iron lungs went to, is Pakistan <laughs> and Afghanistan, man. That's why we started the war. <laughs> uh, 9-11. Uh, never forget. You know what I mean? So anyways. Um, yeah, I mean, polio's like cerebral palsy now where they can fix it at a young age, right? Can they? I don't know. You can get a vaccine for it. Same, same, right? Dude, you Andy, can get a vaccine for cerebral palsy? No. I don't think no, that's a thing. Andy made it. It's not a vaccine. Andy made it good. What would you call it? Probably well, some sort of gene therapy. Anti anti cerebral palsy serum. 
<laughs> magical powder. No trademark. Trademark. We had a uh, we had a comedian on. Uh, he's a local comedian, Andy Imlay, just a couple weeks ago, and he came in and we were talking about uh, his newest child being or his only child being born just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, they had him come back in for testing. Isn't that when they went in and did it? And they were like. Hey, because no, no, she, was, she was born like basically, if you're born under like two pounds or whatever, you're yeah. more likely to get it. She was a little premature, so they had her come back in for testing with the parents and stuff. So they're like giving her all these tests, and then they give her this, you know, serum or whatever, this magical powder um, that basically like prevents super, uh, cerebral palsy. Oh, CP wow. hashtag CP. And then Andy on like we just got done. He got done explaining that to us, and then he was like. And then I looked at the doctor and I was like, where were you 20 years ago? Because he has CP. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. He's a fucking phenomenal comedian. Right. So Josh, you want to give our listeners a quick elevator pitch of like who you are and what you do? Well, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a photographer based around here in Southern Indiana and oh, yeah. um, a recent graduate. So I'm kind of, you know, you know, entering life for the first time. So it's, you know, fascinating and um, sociologically speaking. Oh, yeah. But um, <laughs> other than that, I'm... Uh, Again, Southern Indiana-based photographer, focusing on um, analog, digital, basically all things photography. I've always been a photo nerd. And you started analog, which is not like normal. Yes, I hate to sound like a like a hipster, but I I totally did start analog. <laughs> but um, no, I, I also listen to vinyl. Yes, so. <laughs> I have a massive record collection. Do you really? Yes, I do. Are you getting rid of anything? Because I'm new. So uh, maybe we'll talk after the show. Um, so. Um, I did start analog and I started it in a, a very interesting way. I remember I was in high school. I was a senior and I was an awkward kid. I had sold a moped and I bought my first camera and I wanted a, um, a Nikon, a 50 year old Nikon at the time. It was similar to this model actually It's a Nikon F. Um, but it was a 67 and my mom was like, why the hell do you want a film camera? Nobody uses it anymore. I thought, Hey, I don't really care. You know, film was cheap at the time and processing was cheap. And I was taking photos of all my friends and, um, I just decided that it was probably best to, you know, get prints back. That's the main thing I wanted. That's hot, dude. I dig that. Also, um, how, so, okay. So you said there was a processing fee. Is what does that look? Because there's some shots on your IG which we have pulled up. Of yeah, towards the top. Actually, the one that you were just on. I'm so sorry. Um, but you have like the reels like pulled out. Yeah, like, like the so contact are, sheets. Yeah, contact sheets. So are you not processing them yourself? Or I am now. Now, At but the, you didn't start that way. No, no, oh, I okay. didn't start that way. Um, though the interesting thing is that um, I did have a lot of privilege. I guess starting off. Very early, I would say, in the game. Dude, too soon. What? Too soon. He said, uh, because you're white. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 100%. Yeah, well, obviously, clearly. Well, not only uh, that, but I knew a lot of dead people. Um, That checks out, too. That's saying... (laughs) Well, that being said. (laughs) Yes. Well, I started off very early, and we knew of a, a photographer around our area, and... He he recently passed away, and his wife was like literally wanting to clear out the basement. And in his basement, he had all of his old darkroom equipment. And so I literally bought it for 250 bucks. No um, way. I can easily sell that now 10 times what it was. What? Yep. Is this like vintage shit too? Oh yeah. Like it's all vintage shit. Like mostly, um, most of the stuff I work with is over 50 years old. Oh my God. That's it's, fucking. What's the learning curve like on that? Yeah, it's dude. tough. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> I had learned in the dark room that I bought was a series of books 
and it was a, a huge binder books. And I was really adamant about, I paid like an extra 25 bucks for this stack of books. Mm-hmm. And it was called um, The Famous Photographer's Course. And inside has a bunch of famous photographers at the time. It was made in the early 60s. And it's, um, I think it was Cartier-Bresson, um, Alfred Eisenstadt, you know, all these other famous names at the time. And they're mm-hmm. basically teaching you how to print uh, pictures, how to develop film, how to do all that. And I kind of learned essentially from that book. When I went to school, I thought I was hot shit. I, um, but you were squared away. You uh, were like, I know what's going like, on. Yes. Fuck these losers at USI. <laughs> yeah. I already know this. So you didn't take a, like a photography class in high school? No, I, I wasn't offered one. Um, in my high school, gosh, we, uh, you, my high school was very weird. Where'd you go to high school again? H- Heritage Hills. Heritage. It's near Santa Claus actually. Oh, shout out. And they are, they're very interesting, but they're small town high school. Okay. It, they basically, I, I remember it like it was clear as day. It, they had career day at our high school. It's like, you have so many opportunities as a young person. You can work at Best Chairs. You can work at Master Brand. You can work at Kimball, Spencer Plastics. You, know, you can do anything all the, you can imagine. Anything you can imagine. Did you, you like look to the left and then there were just like, a mer- fuck, like Marines doing pull ups <laughs> like 50 kids in line? Exactly. That's exactly what it was. You could work in the factory. You I'm could join. My country. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hundred percent. Like, there's many of my friends that went into the service, and they really enjoyed it. Dude, shout out to those guys, man. Honestly, it wasn't my bag. I was just this weird, derpy kid that did not know what life was. Still don't. But we had a couple choices. We could work at the factory. Mm-hmm. We could go into the service, mm-hmm. or we could go. We could go to college. <laughs> and I say that in that sense because I remember at Heritage Hills, we had three. We were only allowed three different absences to visit schools. Wow. I remember meeting other people from high school and they gave them unlimited because it's it kind of put into perspective that, you know, if you're born in a small town, you're meant to stay in a small town. Yeah. And it's kind of difficult. But I really did find my place here. And that makes my uh, heart sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. My heart's actually tearing up right now because that's depressing as shit. It uh, is. I grew up in Posey County. Mm-hmm. Not a lot greater. Yeah. Uh, I actually served in the military because of Posey County. I was like, man, I'm just white trash. I'll never be able to afford to go to college. I was like, dude, we're living on scraps and exactly. the fucking Pop Tarts. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go not to college. Pop tarts, not pop toaster yeah, pastries. Toaster pastries <laughs> and 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 dragon loops. Uh, but no, I couldn't afford college, and I wanted to go. And all my other friends were going, and I was like, "Well, I could take on a shitload of student debt, mm-hmm. or I was also very stupid." Um, but I was like, oh, "I go to army. I go to the army, and they'll pay for my school." So mm-hmm. that's what I did. I had a scholarship. I was very thankful for it. No, you're intelligent. I apparently, or you were then. I don't know. I don't know if there's any degradation from then Past to now. But. Well, I Past think sense. when I did join college, I think when I did join university, I had this idea that, like I, like again, I said I thought it was hot shit. When I met my mentor and my like other people that I was working with. They, uh, you know, they, we talk about it now and said, it's like, God, you know, you were trying to teach me shit. I've been doing this shit for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, I was excited, man. Yeah. But um, no, like college is the one thing that really kind of taught me. It's that like I went into college thinking I knew everything, left realizing I knew absolutely nothing. Yeah. Even after four years of all that, you're I, like, I'm stupid. You're like, yeah. I have more questions. I went for five and I'm still <laughs> stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. I it's think an- I might know less now in my senior year of college than I did graduating high school (laughs) but it's important to embrace 
your ignorance and or stupidity. I think yes. that's very important. Humble yourself and put yourself in uncomfortable situations mm-hmm. where you're like, I don't know anything about astronomy, but I'm going to read about it. And then you're going to realize how fucking dumb you actually are. Exactly. And I feel like that's a really important thing to do as a human. Thomas, yeah, speaking of dumb people. Oh, jeez, Jesus. Speaking of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Drew, you want to do me a solid, big buddy? Uh, not that you're large. I'll do your solid anytime. <laughs> Let's spin up this week's Death of the Week. The Death of the Week. This week's Death of the Week brought to you by thedaysgrim.com. Dip the tip in. Check out some of our cool photos at the header of the page. Also, if you scroll a little bit further down, you see a mug, you see a couple of t-shirts. I personally like the black and white, but you can get them in a multitude of different colors. Beanies. Uh, we got a, what do you call that, a canister? I don't know. Uh, Steel water bottle? Yeah, we got a bunch of stuff, man. Trucker hats, dude. We support truck drivers. You know what I mean? So get in there, dip the tip in, get some merch. Uh, this week's Death of the Week, Priest dies after being electrocuted by microphone. And I'm going to give you guys a forewarning. They say the name of this town, which is really long, several times in this article. Uh, we go on. The abbot of Pagoda tragically died yesterday after the microphone he was speaking through gave him a lethal shock. The incident took place February 1-6, 2023 at Sve Krum Village, Kampong, Lapo, Commune, Samlot, District, Bada Bang, Province. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel... That's the name of the town. It's fucking ridiculous. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel... Min Rim, Sam Lot District Police Inspector, stated that male, 68 years old, a pagoda abbot living Sve Krum Village, Kampong Lapo Commune, Sam Lot District, Bada Bang Province, was killed instantly. By the shock, Ling Chorn, male, 37 years old, also received injuries. Authorities say the victim used fresh bamboo to tie a, uh, to tie to tie a microphone near the power line, leading to an electric shock. At present, the body of the victim has been handed over to his family. Fucking tighten up. Bless me. Uh, to his family for traditional rites. They also spelt rites, R-I-T-E-S. I don't know if that's a Cambodian thing or what. Uh, that's this week's Death of the Week. Holy shit, how long is the name of that town? Who, Whoever the fuck named that, I hope they get electrocuted. No kidding, dude. I hope he fucks around with some bamboo and finds out. Jesus Christ, that was like a 14-syllable long. I'll read it one more time just so you guys can get it. It's Sve Crum Village, Kampong, Lapo, Commune, Samlot, District, Bang Province. P.O. Box 351. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, standard issuing code 1571. Call my district attorney if you want to. His phone number is 815. It's like, I'm fucking Christ. I'm kind of shocked that bamboo is a, a a good conductor of electricity. Holds that a lot of would, moisture. I know that for certain. Yeah, I guess. Because panda bears. Kind love of a, that shit. Kind of a panda bear fan myself. Um, panda bears eat it and they get a certain amount of uh, hydration from it. Yeah, it's a, I mean, you get most your hydration from the food you eat. Most, yeah. But I mean... Water intake is also important. That aside, um, is this a bash on Christianity? I don't know, you know? But we're just saying that a priest was shocked. 
You know, does. Uh, do you think that was in the Lord's plan? I don't know. It certainly wasn't a lightning strike, but it was pert near close. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they also included this image, which by the blur, you can only assume that the priest's dead body is here. Oh, I thought it was a baby goat. I thought it was a rack of ribs. Why would they? Why put the photo? You can't see the main part of it. Maybe it was the baby he was baptizing. Look at the guy at the right, dude, with the the police officer, dude. You can't. Can you click on that picture? What does that do? Does it make it? Oh no! Look at him though. He's like, yeah, I did this for my mom. Like, I was in my mom's basement a couple years ago, but now I'm a cop. I I love these photographs because historically speaking, it's like, yep, that's a dead guy. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you holding he's, him? He's got like a little half smirk on his face. Yeah, dude. And also a sick stash. Well, in those yeah. countries, it's like a game picture. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> same as like hunting a deer or whatever. <laughs> Puts it on his dating profile. You know what I mean? Right. This is the fourth case he finally worked and solved. Post it on Facebook. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. What if he's like the only Cambodian Jewish person and he's like, guess what you fucking get? And he's like holding up this pre. <laughs> All right, that's this week's stuff. <laughs> What was the priest's name? <laughs> I don't um, remember, dude. Let's uh, see. Shout out to... Uh, 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 where was it? Yeah. Shout out to... <laughs> yeah. Uh, 68 years old. You are gone and also forgotten, except by that uh, young Jewish Cambodian man. Whoever wrote this article had to have known what they were doing by putting the the name of the town in it Dude's so many times. Asshole. Oh, 100%. Said, 100%. <laughs> Lieutenant <laughs> Colonel Menrim Samlot District Police Inspector stated that <laughs> a pagoda abbot living in whatever the fuck it is. Like, Shvekum no Village, Kapalel, like the... Samlot District, Badabang Province. Badabang! Badabang. No need to make it so wordy. It's Sorry. just like the city of Henderson's Instagram page. <laughs> Shout out! God bless you. You know, the funny thing is, I near near my hometown, I live near a place called Dale. Oh, oh I yeah. love Dale. <laughs> I love Dale. Really, you been? Yeah, Just, they have the, uh, they have that, uh, they got that fucking uh, Catholic holdout. A what? They got, they got like a seminary spot up there. Where, yeah. I forget what they call it, but there's like a commune of Catholic, it's only priests. Yeah, it's near St. Uh, it's in St. Mindred. Arch uh-huh. Abbey. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's yeah. an yeah. abbey. It's called an Saint abbey. St. Mindred. While I'm here, can I say a story really quick? Yeah. But For- real quick, hold on. Shout out to Dale. Yeah, shout out to Dale. Is it Dale that has the abbey? No, it's St. Mindred. But it's really close to Dale. Near Dale, yeah. Okay, so I love Dale for that reason. Because the last I thought time Dale was too close to the wall, and that's why he's not here anymore. Shout out Earnhardt. Uh, <laughs> all right, onward. You were saying anyway. Sir, my Josh. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so we're talking about the Arch Abbey. We're talking about Dale. I went to school near Dale in Heritage Hills. Yeah. Um. So we had a health teacher one time, and I forget his name. I think his. Can I say his name? Yeah, you say whatever you want, and then afterwards, if you're uncomfortable, I'll just beep it. Okay, okay. Yeah. So we had a health teacher. His name was... He was a cool, cool dude. He's an Italian guy. Yeah, he's great. I dig it. He was like one of them young dudes. It's like, hey, man, you know, come and talk to us after. We'll put you... We'll we'll say your anonymous questions in the box. Say whatever. Like Like, he's a cool, younger... comforting. Like, Um, yeah. He wasn't like the old dude teaching health class, right? question. Did he get like weirdly close with the... Uh, with the teenage girls, because there was definitely a couple of those at my school. No, 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 no. He said there's definitely a couple no, at his school. No, I'm not <laughs> he saying did, any names, no accusations. But. He, he did not, <laughs> but here is his story, right? Let's hear it. So, everybody was wondering what happened to Mr. the next semester, because we were like, hey, what happened to him? We look up, there's a police report. 
he had broken into the St. Mindred Arch Abbey while he was drunk. And the police questioned him. They say, why did you do it? And he said, I wanted to spook the nuns. The nuns aren't there. It's all priests. (laughs) The nuns are in Ferdinand. What a fucking idiot. (laughs) We got a a nunnery here on the west side. No, no disrespect towards... I, I forget his name. I think it's... No disrespect. You're not a fucking idiot. You're obviously intelligent. But my point is... There he are, was drunk. Uh, yeah, that checks. I've done some really dumb shit drunk. Yeah. But there are no nuns up there. It's all priests. But the cool thing about this abbey that we're talking about is that they, for years and years back, they don't do it anymore, but they used to. Like, the grade schools in Evansville used to take field trips out there. Oh, mm-hmm. I took so many field trips to St. Mindred. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. I, I also went to a Catholic elementary school okay yeah that'll do it okay but you probably didn't get the full experience like 20 years ago 20 years ago like back before like 20 years ago they didn't use lube yeah they weren't like kids or whatever if they were they they weren't telling people they weren't telling people either way uh the cool thing about st mydred mydred am i saying that right mindred 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 is that they used to it's like a completely self-sustaining like we talked about that one time it's a completely self-sustaining area like they have a well they okay you can say a cult no, not Colt, but we I, talked about it the one time. Cult. I just, I know when I went there, we made candles, like hand dipped them, and yeah. then there was like a beekeeper. Yeah. And this girl had a lot of hairspray in her hair, and the bees liked that, and they got attacked stuck her. in her hair. Yeah, yeah, they attacked her. She mm-hmm. was accosted by bees. That's a hell of a beehive. Yeah. But That's they why had, they call it the beehive. They, they had their own cattle. They would, they would kill, they would raise the cattle, kill the cattle. They, I mean, they were completely self-sustaining. They never went to town for anything. And this is like, this is a few decades ago. They're, I didn't even know this. They're not like that now. Mm. Uh, but decades ago, like in the 70s, Evansville schools used to take field trips out there and like get to watch cows get fucking slaughtered and chickens would like they had their own chickens and well and it was a really really cool spot there's not a lot of priests go there now because it's lost its aptitude a lot of them go to like formal seminary school not enough kids around right not enough children (laughs) out in the county but um that being they stopped bussing them in 20 years ago (laughs) (laughs) no one's taking field trips out there now and they're like well the wells dried up so we got to go to these bigger cities is that their traumatic was that the traumatic field trip in the 70s (laughs) dude like i think every one of us is old (laughs) i don't know are you asking me no 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 no. i'm just wondering because i have a feeling that deep down inside we all have had that traumatic field trip in grade school yeah dude like you know what i mean like, there's always that one that stands out in our memory as being just absolutely messed up. Yeah, I went to Angel up. Mounds a little, when I was little, and there was an earthquake. Mm-hmm. Shout out, Camel Rock. Yeah. Uh, I went to St. Louis Zoo. I watched a panda die. Oh, my God. Died. R.I.P. Harambe. Well, it like <laughs> fell over, and they were just like, well, probably just asleep. I went to Lincoln Boyhood Home, and I think they fired a rifle, and I remember this girl fainted. Nice. That was fun. Do you have anything? (laughs) Uh, This is not field trip related, but like I said, I went to a Catholic elementary school, and we would go to church three times a week for school, and they had those little incense Mm -hmm. uh, ball things that they would swing back and forth. Oh, there's a special word for it. I remember this. Yeah, I I don't remember what it's called, but they- The hummus? 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 No, the hummus. Uh, It's frankincense in there. 
and like myrrh. No, I don't know. But <laughs> and it, some gold. They, they would basically <laughs> fill fill the church with incense. I know and you're talking motherfuckers about. Motherfuckers would just pass out from there being so much incense all the, in there all which, the time. Which, by the way, Josh, are you doing okay with all the incense we got blasting in oh, here? Oh no, dude? this reminds me of high school, man. We used to put on some Jefferson Airplane and shit. We used to oh, just dude. burn some incense. I love that. The stuff. The only band that ever had three names. Also, uh, did you know that? Yeah. Yeah, Jefferson Airplane, and Jefferson, then they went Jefferson Starship, Starship, and then they went Starship. Oh, really? They just went to a Starship. Yeah. Didn't or know. yeah, it was Starship. Yeah. I know about Jefferson. I know about Jefferson Starship. Starship. Just playing Starship. Starship was uh, we built this city. Oh, really? We built this city. So you get this. You get this whole setup like right after high school. Does that kind of solidify that you want to go to college for it? Oh yeah, yeah. Going back into like <laughs> back to the storyline. Oh, sorry. Back to the interview. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like yeah. I started out with it, and I thought it was really, really fun. I really went to college because I feel like when I was in high school, I didn't really get what I was looking for. I didn't really. Um, I knew that I wouldn't be a good. I come from a family of iron workers. I knew I wouldn't be able to work iron at um, the steel company in Rockport for the longest time. Well, why do you think that? Because well, you're you're. You're a good sized fella. Yeah, you're yeah, six yeah. foot one. You're you've got some broad shoulders yeah, on yeah, you. Yeah. I think you would have been a fine steel worker. Well, yeah, but I, I imagine I would have too. But I mean, it, I wasn't. I, I I wasn't particularly driven that way. I wasn't. Uh, I come from a family of like great polarity. My uh, my father, you know, always a hard worker, a body man. My brother, he was a kind of a builder. My mom, a hairdresser. And me, I was always the one that we didn't really know what was going to happen. That makes sense, though, because your mom being a hairdresser, it's kind of a artsy-fartsy kind. I, I'm not belittling the craft, please. I'm just, mm. it's, a, uh, it's a creative outlet. Oh, no, I totally you know, get to what To be a hairdresser, you have to have a creative bone in your body. Oh, yes, You definitely. know what I mean? So like that's I feel like that's maybe where you pull from. Well, I kind of pull from both of my parents. My uh, both of my parents very musical. My father incredibly artistic. He was a, a car body man for a long time, still is, and uh, I think that he he can still pinstripe like I've never seen anybody do it before. Like pinstriping sticker with paintbrush. Oh, with paintbrush, he can just freehand it. No, he can't. Like, beautiful. Gorgeous. Dude, we need to interview your dad. My dad's I, a cool dude, man. <laughs> dude, that's impressive. I see like Instagram, but you see it on Instagram all the time. Of yeah. The guys that like take the paintbrush and they're just like, mm-hmm. yep, all the way down a 15 foot car. And you're yeah. like, how did you not fuck that up? And you, then also, yeah. if you do fuck it up, what do you do? You're <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, man, this one's got a ding in it, but I've got to sand it out again, put some more Bondo over it. You can be good. But uh, no, I'm impressive, man. I, I went to school as an undecided major, and I did take a, a photography class at USI. At did, USI. Did we say that already? Did we say he I'm, went to USI? I mentioned I don't it. Remember. Mm-hmm. You mentioned it. Yeah. yeah. So you're undecided at USI. Yeah, I started off there, and I was kind of like undecided. I didn't know what I was wanting to do. I um, started off actually with an idea. I was going to study radio and television. That's why my voice is so soft and velvet, you see, after all the it's, years in radio school. It's delicious. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You know, I still, it's been, it's been a long time since I've been able to stretch my wings and fly. You know what I mean? But, um, <laughs> hashtag Icarus. Uh, no, so we're going. <laughs> so I worked in radio for a long time and then I realized that, um, I, I still love taking photos everywhere I went. I took a camera Yeah, because I just wanted to like, I still had that mindset of, wanting to i guess capture my time you know yeah for a scrapbook or something i got like you okay and then i i, I just kind of stuck with it i fell in love with the art i fell in love with journalism photojournalism 
Really? And okay. um, I, that's, then I finally decided at the very end, I spent five years and I went uh, and I got two degrees, one in art and one in journalism. Damn, nice, dude. That's what's so up. So that works though, because like, like if you were to try to be in National Geographic or something like that, mm-hmm. you almost have to have a photo photojournalism like degree mm. in order to get a job there. I have a buddy of mine who shot, which is crazy to me. I like, a, just put me out in the middle of the fucking nowhere. I don't need to fucking know how to write a paper as long as I don't get mauled by this bear sixteen <laughs> feet away from me. Dude, what was it? That fucking death of the week we did, where they were like up in the fucking brush in Alaska, in that. Fucking- yeah, they were hunting <laughs> bears, and they're. they're plane like didn't take off or whatever yeah. and then like another bear moved in and murked them they were like there's this one bear. there's this one bear that's getting slightly aggressive but i want to take pictures of it and then died like a week later they all died they oh all died because their plane didn't take off so their plane so the story goes <clears throat> they go there to trap down a not trap but to there take was a fo- specific like herd of bears family is mm-hmm. like a family of bears and they're like we've been tracking them they're chipped i'm assuming and they're like we're taking photos of them they end their shoot the shoot goes great their plane's supposed to take off <laughs> something goes wrong with the plane oh my god and they don't get their plane ride so they have to stay like an additional like two or three days oh my god and then the was it the the wife or the man i can't remember they both died yeah they both got mauled but one of the two of them was like well i was looking across the stream which by the way we're at the end of the season now mm-hmm. where bears are about to hibernate and they yeah. get super aggressive and she was like, there was a, a bear across the stream that was slightly aggressive, but also I was kind of watching him and I want to take pictures of him. We have a couple of days. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. So they like follow this aggressive bear and he finds them oh my gosh. and fucking destroys the entire camp. I forget. They okay. found a femur like fucking 500 yards away from the fucking murder site. Like, you know, sometimes you, it was bad. You kind of get, I guess I understand that cockiness of the wanting passion. to actually, uh, the passion. Yeah. But you have to understand that sometimes you literally are staring down a grizzly bear. When it when it comes to nature, do not oh, fuck. Well, I, I think a lot of nature, man. I think a lot of photographers they're like, oh, I'm looking through a lens. You know what I mean? So you like, it's real what, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, it's almost yes. like a VR or something. Like it's, you're in a different zone. I consider it. I've talked to people and they consider it like. Um, I had a the opportunity. I went to a uh, conference last year or this year, early this year, and I talked to somebody that was covering. Um, the war in Ukraine. And he said that Rough. in a way, he goes, in a way, the camera is like a shield. He is what he felt. Like, you know, he said, I felt fearless without the, with the camera. Without it, I would have been pissing my britches. You know what I mean? And, but rough, he was like covering that. And there's, I, I see that, you know, historically speaking, that there's a sense yeah. of cockiness that comes with the camera. Speak, you don't really think it's real. Speaking of which, I've gone down this dark rabbit hole recently on YouTube of looking up footage from the Ukrainian Russian war. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Not good. Mm-mm. Not good. No war is yeah. good, man. I'll just go on record and say war. Not good. Not great. <laughs> Not great, dude. I watched a dude uh, lose his leg last night. It was intense, dude. dude. And the, and then, like you said, there's uh, the guys with like the media Velcro strap on their chest, and they're just out there like, oh, oh, oh. like, dude, there's a fucking 50 cal going off. Why don't you fucking put your head down? God damn, it's dark though. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's I, I get I get how you can get like lost. Yeah, do it in for moment. the live leak. You know, you can- <laughs> one of my biggest heroes in photography was a war photographer. 
Her name was uh, 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 her name. Uh, it's pronounced Catherine Lewis. Is she dead? Yeah, she's dead. Jesus. Uh, but her name is Kathy Leroy. <laughs> Just look that up. She is honestly the biggest badass I've ever read about in my entire life. Oh, so you did not know her personally? No, I didn't. Okay, good. But I've studied her, and she was literally the biggest badass I've ever met in my life. Oh, look at She that. looks like a badass. She's 22. This, is taken, this photo here is taken in 1966. And uh, she booked a one-way ticket to Laos, and she made her way to Vietnam. And what she did was, is um, she's five foot nothing, weighs 85 pounds. Obviously a soldier, clearly. Honestly. Yeah. But no, she's literally in the foxholes with Marines. And she's doing that uh, up until, I think she stayed in Vietnam for three years. She's the only person, get this, she was dating this guy, Francois or not. They're riding a tandem bicycle up in Hue. And they find a, um, and so they find a church and they stay in there. And during the Battle of Hue, they just basically shoot all these people in the church. They're just uh, photographing them and getting these really deep shots. And they realize is that the, the NVA, the North Vietnamese Army, is coming down. And they get captured. And after a while, they basically convince them that, hey, we're not a threat. We don't need to do anything. Yeah. So she convinces the North Vietnamese to take their photograph. Like she basically is the only person to be captured and photographed the NVA behind their own lines. Can we Google that? A picture of her in. So she was like in camp. Yes, she was in camp. She had a front page of life in 68. And honestly, it, it, I'm, I'm so happy I get to talk about her because any chance I do, I love Photo this in woman. Camp Have or, you picked up any of those old Giant Life magazines? Oh, they're God. literally like I love them, man. Massive. I used to collect them. Do you like Photo in Prison Camp? Or it's um, Photo in Prison Camp. I can tell you. I can show you. It's called um, the The Enemy Lets Me Take His Picture. There was you go. The, was the uh, article? Yeah, looked. I gotta see this, dude. And there's something to be said about the bravery there, dude. Oh yeah, she was. Um, but she. Um, another main reason that I got my Nikon is she actually shot with one. Uh, you can see in the bottom left there, she actually has one. Uh, it's basically covering her whole chest and saved her life. Which one? Which one is the one of her in the camp? Um, the well, the that's there. The front page is of her in the actually the one where she's right by the tree. Is her, oh, this one, the second one? Uh, yeah, that's her. And the one right at the bottom there. Let's see if you can see it. I don't know. This is really weird for audio. Just pointing it. <laughs> we have a YouTube channel. Oh, so, far out, So yeah. they're watching on YouTube. Oh, if, cool, cool, cool. So they can see what we see. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you're only listening, hop over to the YouTube and you can see a picture of, uh, of, of, of uh, Leroy in a Vietnamese. Is this it? Yeah, that's it. That's her in the camp. Wow. She's literally in an NVA camp. That's intense. And she's got a, you see that there's a camera that she's carrying this little Nikon at the bottom. Literally covering her chest. Yes. And she's basically carrying her weight in camera equipment. Uh, the, the Marines called her little sister. That's intense. But she, um, how, how did you find this? I had, how did you find Kathy Leroy? How, like, how did she become an idol of yours? I don't really know. Um, I had, I guess I had studied her. I was very into music, you know, very, I knew a lot about the sixties, a hyper fixation, honestly. And Vietnam, yeah, it's packed. Yeah. And, but I had studied or I wanted to study famous photojournalists. And for some reason I had found her and she died when I was like six, but I had found her story. And for some reason it really resonated with me because she honestly is literally 
the biggest badass I've ever met in my life. Fuck or not yeah, met, dude. but um, studied. Could, could you imagine <laughs> being captured by the Russians right now? I feel like I'm talking about like, I feel like I'm living inside of Stranger Things, like the yeah. 80s. You know what I mean? It's Red Scare. It's but crazy. Could, could you imagine being captured by the Russians as a photographer, just trying to shoot footage of the battlefront, and then they capture you, and then you're just like, also, de la Russia, gorobara, get it, and you have them take your fucking picture? <laughs> it's crazy. Like but the balls. Her story is not over, though. She has, like, the amount of balls on this woman is fantastic. Um, she, again, five foot, she was the first woman to ever parachute with the United States Marine Corps. Fuck yeah. And she is, as she's parachuting out of the plane, she's taking photos on the way down. Fuck yeah. And she actually had her license revoked because a Marine, (laughs) a Marine officer, six foot four Marine basically said, we don't parachute with little girls. And she basically looked right up to him. She goes, Fuck you. I am done. And basically got her license revoked and got it back sooner or later because she cursed out a 6'4 Marine. What a fucking stud. Get this, too. Another one. I'm sorry. I'm obsessed with this one. You no, hit, you're fine. You hit a hyperfixation, man. This, this is, is where I'm at. This is where I want to know who you are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was then hired in 69 to photograph the Woodstock Music and Arts Fair. And then after day one, she says, Fuck this. And she just basically parties for three days. No way. And after she does her work in Vietnam, she um, basically parties with all the Marines that she was with in, in Vietnam. It's fucking sick. And she, at the end of her life, she starts a, um, a vintage clothing store. What? And she just lives out her life being just this cool person that like they, they need to make a movie about her. Like, honestly, like this dude, woman, Netflix. Oh, yeah. Tighten up, dude. <laughs> you guys better be fucking watching this podcast. Yeah, dude. If there was anybody that I would make a movie about in contemporary time dude, Catherine Leroy is oh, that's a good candidate. Mm-hmm. That's a That's a that's a Forrest Gump storyline. Oh, totally. That's a Forrest Gump, you know, minus the retardation or was he i don't remember if he was he had something yeah he had he had stuff going on he had i don't know if he was premature or what or he definitely had aids well yeah no it was it was polio he had polio polio that's what it was but then he slept with jenny jenny had aids 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 was implied and he slept with her so does he not get aids i don't know you know there was supposed to uh supposed to be a sequel to forrest gump yeah there was yeah and they canceled it you know why they canceled it don't remember 9-11 never forget yeah i am sam might as well have been forrest gump dude dude. i am sam they wrote the whole script worst movie ever made in my opinion yeah hated it what uh yeah dude cried like a baby oh dude i mean it's a good (laughs) flick but like not his best work yeah true uh but they canceled because of Mm 9-11 they submitted the script on 9-9 of 2001 to make the sequel to forrest gump which would have been roughly 10 years later Mm -hmm. and which most sequels wait a good 10 years before they re-release and then they waited that and they submitted in 2001 9-9 and then 9-10 whatever it doesn't get read 9-11 then happens at like 8 o'clock in the morning Mm -hmm. and they finally get the script in LA and they're like America's just been attacked by terrorists the last thing they need is another fucking you know they were like basically we don't need fucking dirt to dirt fucking running around with OJ Simpson in the exactly and that was gonna be a scene in the movie 
there's a book that you can read, the sequel to Forrest Gump. Yeah. Um, but basically, there's a scene where he's like riding in the back of OJ's fucking mm-hmm. white Bronco. And he like, because pe- you know how they like photoshopped him in on. Yeah, like, with yeah, the- yeah. So they photoshopped him in on the real footage of OJ Simpson being chased on the freeway. Yeah. And like, it was going to be good. You know, my sequel to Forrest Gump is that he's just living his life, man. Just let, let him mow the grass. Yeah. D- d- I- I'm happy that Forrest Gump is two hours of just Forrest Gump. I would pay money for this. I would, dude. Jenna. Like, I mean, Jenna. he's just living his best life. You know. So, so okay. So you get this weird fascination. It's not weird, but you get you find this Catherine Leroy, and mm-hmm. you, and you're fascinated with her, and you kind of take parts of her and like incorporate that into yourself. I'm assuming mm-hmm. she's just one of them, one of the few. But and she's then you have like this uh, steel workers backbone in your body, but you also have like this artistic. Uh, creative soul Mm -hmm. so like moving outside of like so after you graduate from usi like what does that even look like you know what i mean like how do you even start getting into the field it's hard to say because even after you graduate it's very rare that you actually go i mean there's people that do it that you know they go directly into the field that they're going into and you know i've been trying my best to you know just stay in you know photography stay um kind of immersed within it the best way I can. And, um, but now it's just, you know, trying to find out where the next chapter is in your life. My mom, she basically described it the best way that I could think of is that, uh, you know, you go into life with multiple chapters, you know, go into eighth grade, <laughs> you know, you're hot shit on campus. You're top of the chain in middle school. That was my story. <laughs> <laughs> then you're a freshman in high school. Right. And then you feel like the new kid. Yeah. That, Going through college, I was like, yeah, I'm a senior in college. I kind of feel this. I kind of feel like, you know, hot shit on campus. And then going out into the real world, I feel like a freshman in high school again. I've been a freshman my whole life. So I don't know what's (laughs) going on or where I went wrong, but I just... Do you ever feel like... Do you guys ever feel like put yourself in a situation, like whether it be with your occupation or whatever, or just a social circle, but you put yourself in a situation and you're like, I don't fucking belong here. Mm -hmm. There's a name for it. It's like imposter syndrome, I think. totally. I live in the imposter syndrome. I mean, I was um, just one example of that. I ended up at a frat party uh, a week or two ago with my girlfriend. I have not been to a party like that in a couple years. I'm not. I'm not used to that. It's anymore. intense. Yeah, it was they, a lot. They like sacrifice goats and shit, dude. Or yeah. at U of E, they did. I don't. That's know, that's where the frat party was. It was a U of E party. Oh, man. oh dude, it's I was dicey. like, oh shit. There's people throwing up outside and like just yeah. the floor is shaking but that's where i live i live in like the imposter syndrome oh totally. so do you ever feel like that that oh. you get into a situation where you get a gig and you're like all oh, right yeah sick. Oh, of course like, and then you get there and you're like oh, fuck it. <laughs> well i spent you know over five years you know trying to hone my craft as a photographer you know i go to a gig i shoot a concert shoot a protest you know i feel like i'm just i feel like i'm there um jim marshall one of my favorite music photographers he would say that 95 percent is me at the event. 5% is me holding a camera and using this tool to document what's happening. And I kind of feel that. It's because I feel like if I go to an event and I'm just like, bam, 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 I'm getting a lot of good shit here and there. Sometimes it just happens. But for me, some days, you know, I feel like I just click a button. And it's tough because you are kind of waiting. You're waiting for somebody to walk up to you and say, we know you have no idea what you're doing. We yeah. know that we're waiting for you to fuck up. Shit the bed. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like anytime I am photographing an event or like a 
concert, um, especially if I'm like on stage or right up like under the stage, I feel like I'm almost in the way and like I'm people are looking at me thinking, what the fuck is this kid Mm -hmm. doing? He doesn't. I'm like, I kind of know what I'm doing a little. Mm -hmm. But like, but then again, on the same coin, you know, the camera offers you so much access security, not just security, but like it's a way to like the amount of times that I've showed up just with. I don't know. Usually I carry two cameras when I'm covering a big event. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think, oh, are you, are you with the press? Two lenses. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. I was like, are, are you with the press? Are you here for a magazine? I was like, no, I'm just here for myself. Man. Yeah. I'm just shooting, dog. Yeah. When, I, when I first got started, I used to go to the bars and like the bars that had like bands all the time and stuff. And mm-hmm. dude, they would let me get in the rafters. They would let me get on stage to photograph the people. Like it, and it like brought you more connections from people at the bar itself. Yeah. If you walk into somewhere with a camera, you can automatically do more than you would right. be allowed to Tom, if you didn't question for you. This is strange. I know we're interviewing you, Josh, but just give me a second here. Go on ahead. Uh, did you ever have a gig where you were like, what the fuck? I don't belong here. You yeah, know that, what I mean? That Valentine's Day shoot. Remember that? The boudoir? <laughs> the boudin? When did you do a boudin shoot? And like, the, the, it was, yeah, it was awkward and just... Yeah, you don't seem oh, like the type I of guy for that. boudoir oh, photography. I, I do remember that. Have you ever done? Do you do boudin? I do. Boudin? I do it. I do. I do a couple boudin. Do you? Do you uh, <laughs> but I just like kind boudoir. of. It's close to it. Yeah. Boud- Not Can quite. But slower. Boudoir. Slower. Boudoir. Boudoir. Boudoir you, means bedroom. Do you do bedroom often? Not. That's easier for me. Commercially, no. I wasn't born in the bayou. Personally, yeah. I like doing that like 1940s-ish glamour look Mm -hmm. to it. And I've done it before. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's hot. It it can't. Yeah. It definitely can be. Uh, Homegirl that he just had pulled up. She was super hot. Uh, The way that you shot it. I think think her name is. um, I said homegirl. I don't. Because he clicked away. Nice on a Fuji too. Mm-hmm. Respect, dude. So when you uh, basically, so like, did you have any Lightroom experience, or do you mess with Lightroom at all? Oh yeah, I do. When I do digital. So like, I mean, how was that versus like darkroom stuff with the lighting and burning and dodging? Mm-hmm. Does it carry over like the it analog does. to the digital? A little space? bit, yeah. Like a lot of times when I think about how I'm manipulating a digital photograph, I often think about, okay, if I was in the darkroom, what am I gonna do? I'm going to pop in the shadows, burn here, dodge here. And if you don't know what burning and dodging is, is that when you take a negative, photo negative, you put mm-hmm. it in a projector mm-hmm. and you basically enlarge it to an 8x10, 5x7, whatever the hell you want to do. Yeah. And you put light For the print sens- size. Yes. Okay. And you put okay. light sensitive paper under it. Okay. And it basically burns in to the paper like a sunburn. Then you develop it in the trays and that's where the image kind of shows up and that's where you see it on all the movies But you manipulate it before that paper gets involved. With the light. Yeah. But you like burning light. and dodging is lightening and darkening. Yeah. Ah, so you're can, doing it with the light. Yeah, you can lighten some areas, darken some areas. Like it's adding intense. shadows and highlights. Mm-hmm. Do you have video of you? Well, I guess you can't really do video while you're in the dark room. Yeah, it's too dark. Yeah, yeah right? I have... Um, that would be so cool to see. Actually, yeah, happening. I do have video. I have a TikTok. You can. Uh, oh, what's your if TikTok? You, Drew can pull it up. I dude. think it's like yeah. pull up the pull up an open tab. Just, I I think it was bunch of words <laughs> with a zero. You're promoting yourself right now, so I'm trying my best. I love, <laughs> no joke. I made TikTok. Uh, I was actually TikTok famous during the pandemic. <laughs> my friend, we just did like a 
Bunch of words, plural. It's B U N C H zero O R W O R D S. Let's see what that does, dude. I I only say that because I've never seen somebody work in a dark room, and I just wonder what that even like looks like. There it is. This is so it. I'm processing some salt prints in a Van Dyke as part of my latest work. And looking at uh, some of my teacher's notes about how to process this and how to make the fixer or one of the chemicals, it says to use 30 grams of sodium thiosulfate or three big-ass teaspoons. God, I love college. Three big-ass teaspoons. So I'm processing some salt prints and a Van Dyke as part of my latest work. (laughs) Oh, that's good, Drew. Yeah, but you like... That's cool, man. Got it in this little water bath with... I assume some sort of chemicals. I don't know shit about it. I think it is a water bath. Van Dyke is an alternative process. Ah, There's standard photo process. Oh, my God. There's so much. There's so much science and so much math. The thing, okay, the thing I urge, um, here, you can actually see the standard process in the video after that, right there. To the right? Not that one. I Still apologize. Bad. This is so bad. We can cut this No, we don't need to cut it out. This is <laughs> As most of you don't know, I'm a photographer. More importantly, I'm a film photographer. Me in 2020. It's been a while since I've used my home photo lab, so I thought I'd show you guys how they used to make pictures for well over 100 years. First, you take a perfectly good room, and you turn it red. You then put some expensive silver paper under an expensive projector called an enlarger. You then give the paper a sunburn... Then you put it into a tray of chemicals which may or may not give you a predisposition for Parkinson's. This first chemical is called the developer. It's alkali metal. It turns the silver onto the paper into silver bromide, turning the whites into blacks. After the development process is done, you put it into stop bath, which is citric acid. It stops the development process. So freezes everything. After the stop portion is done, you put it into sodium thiosulfate, or fixer. Strips the rest of the silver off the image. Then you get it a water bath, make sure it's good and hydrated. Then you hang it up dry, and voila, you have a picture. That is fucking neat, dude. Mm-hmm. And what method is that? That's called the silver gelatin process. Silver gelatin process. It was, I forget exactly when There's it came There's a lot out. of chemicals involved. There is, actually. So do you have to have a license to get any of these chemicals? Nope. You just go to Amazon, you're like, give me some citrate ammonium or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it, a lot of times, that, well, a lot of times you can really find them. There's some that are pretty iffy. There's some that they're hard to ship because they're like liquid chemicals. Okay. And there's some that are, you know, there's some that just a lot of, I don't know. I'm surprised that they're that easy to get. That's uh, wild to me. Also, I'm a two bears, one, uh, two bears, one cave fan. And I found out the other day, just on Amazon, you can buy chloroform. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you, that's crazy. You're on a pod. So right now you're on a podcast. He said yeah. chloroform, but he, that when they looked it up, it was chlorophyll, not chloroform. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You can't uh, buy chloroform, yeah, chloroform on fucking that, Amazon. I'm sure yeah, you can buy chloroform on Amazon. You can probably buy the ingredients to make it, I'm sure. I think chloroform's its own thing. Dude, is it? I, I watched Breaking Bad. You can make fucking anything, dude. <laughs> um, no, but did... Uh, so you're on a podcast now, but do you follow any podcasts? Oh, Are you yes, a podcast guy? I love podcasts. What do you, what's your big hitters? My big hitters are mostly true crime. Really? I'm big into true crime. There's so like, many I, of them, though. I love, um, and that's why we drink, which mm. is um, two uh, two people. One uh, does true crime, and the other one does ghost stories and cryptids. I love that. And the other one is uh, wine and crime, <sighs> which one of them is, um, I think they were a psychology major. And she gives basically a background in psych, and the other one, other two give like a background or give their own stories to it. Nice. And they do a lot of 
really, really funny. It's funny, but uh, they try and keep it lighthearted. But no, at I the end of the that. day, they're talking about death and destruction. I, that was a random question that I had. But no, this this process, I mean, this had to take you forever to learn. It so, takes a little bit. So who taught you? Was it just... You just learned through text? I s- learned myself to begin with, but I really, to looking back, I really didn't learn all that I've learned unless I went to school for it. Like, I learned a lot more in school. USI taught you a fair amount about oh, yes. film film? Yes. I was, uh, very, I was very privileged to talk with my mentor and to meet him. He was a, uh, he's a photographer named Rob Dickus. Love and that man. I don't know who that is. He is fantastic. Um, Rob what was it? Dickus. D-I-C-K-E-S. Like the yeah. coach from the Bears. Exactly. 85. <laughs> Shout out. But he was one of the guys that really kind of um, was a great mentor to me. Um, great um, great dude to have sit down and have a beer with. Nice. Um, just a really all-around amazing dude. We, we've done, um, I don't know, we've, I've, he joined USI the same year I joined. And so I spent five years with him. So one question that really sticks out in my head is that like when it comes to events or like things that you get hired for mm. or like it, like paid gigs, how often is it that they they say we want film versus digital? I've, Does that yeah. happen or do you specify when someone reaches out to you like hey I do film and digital mm-hmm. and this cost do they cost different? Actually or to my um, I'm at the kind of the point now where a lot of people are like, well, you know, film costs a lot of money to the, to, to be honest, like I have all my own equipment now, like to have that is like incredibly important because yeah, it does cost a lot of money if you're buying like top of the line film and sending it off to be processed every time. Like I process it pennies on the dollar and it's easy and I can burn through some film. Really? And what do you think the cost of film has gone up since you got started? Oh God. Ridiculous amount. I remember buying, um, I mostly bulk load where um, basically instead of buying individual canisters of film, like, like this, oh, I didn't knock something over. this is like a regular canister. You can buy it a hundred feet at a time and you can just load it up in your canisters individually. I used to buy a hundred feet at a time. And I remember paying 50 bucks for a hundred feet of film. What is, how many shots is a hundred feet of film? Um, pfft, technically it's 20 rolls. 36 times 20 is three, maybe six. 720. Yeah, maybe 700 shots. Essentially. I don't know if it's 700. Is it seven? I don't know how to do math. It's like 360 <laughs> times 20, right? 36 times 20. 36 times 20. Yeah. yeah it's about 720. Yeah, so that sounds, that sounds right. Yeah. 720. But now mm-hmm. one roll of film or, I mean, if you get like nicer mm-hmm. film, it can be like sixty to eighty dollars. Mm-hmm. Or like for like one, I remember for a hundred feet of film, I remember paying fifty bucks for it. I remember during the pandemic, I paid seventy five bucks for a hundred full of Kodak Tri-X, top of the line, great film stock. They've had it since the fifties. You know, now I don't think it goes less than one hundred fifty. Yeah, I mean for this. Three boxes of Kodak Gold. I oh, probably yeah. paid over a hundred dollars. I didn't for know sure. three were... boxes for that. Where are you buying? I don't know. I <laughs> I I've had this for a while. So I didn't know you were into film film. I'm not a whole lot. I have like a little point and shoot film camera. Uh, it's like a Canon A1. Fuck, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't have it with me. I didn't, so I I didn't know, know you were into film film. 
Um, hey, if you need that process, send it off to me. I do. I that have might multiple teeter over on you. You might sit that cup up right there. We go. There I just didn't want to cause a house fire in the middle of a podcast. That might not <laughs> That'd be, be bad. Well, yeah, I wish actually... I had my actual camera on me, but I uh, forgot. But you I actually brought a camera with you. And, yeah, I do. Uh, which one is this that you brought in with you? This is an Icon F. This is the best camera that they ever made in the entire world. Nikon <laughs> F. Yes. What year is that? This is made somewhere between 1969 and the summer of 1970. What did you, can I ask, without being rude, what did you pay for it? I paid, I forget how much I paid for this. Over $1,500? No, 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 no. I paid for about 250 bucks for this. You got it for 250 bucks? Yeah, you can buy it for about 250 bucks. Yeah, film cameras are way cheap. Film yep. cameras are just way cheaper. Yeah, and the lenses are way cheaper. These are this is a, a Nikon lens, like high quality lens. Sometimes I, though, I pay twenty bucks for this thing. They make lens adapters though, so you could throw that on like a digital camera. Hell yeah, that's what I do for my okay. digital too. Maybe I lied. I looked up this film on Amazon, and it's not as expensive as I thought it was. <laughs> it can be expensive, but it, you, yeah, if you get the high be. quality stuff. So uh, your digital camera is a Fuji. Yes. Yeah, that's the way to go. That's I love that thing, and I'll tell you why I do. Is because when I first started, like I guess going into digital, working in like the press on USI, I needed um, I can develop film fast, and I did. And for some reason, my chief photographer at the time, Jordan Ocker, great guy, he said, uh, "I have no idea how you're making your deadlines every week, but." Good for you. <laughs> Keep it up, champ. Yeah, exactly. But um, we had, um, I basically switched to it just so I could save some time because it's better than going to the lab, spending an hour developing all that film and scanning it. And, um, but I got the Fuji because it's 100% just like the Nikon. Did you try any other cameras out before the Fuji? I did ish. And he said, all these are shit. Take I them back. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> He's like, yeah, maybe they're not shit. Uh. But I'll tell you why I chose the Fuji is that I needed something close to my muscle memory. The way that I've learned to shoot was I basically put it to I basically put it to my face. You can walk me through it. Okay. Like, yeah, just talk louder if you're going to pull away from the Okay, okay. I basically like put it to my face. Look yeah. through here. You know, adapt or Hit my aperture on my ring, Fuck, change hot. my shutter speed. Oh, this can't. That's the thing. This can't. Listen to this. Oh, God, dude. I'm. Dude, and you know what's rad about the Fuji is it has a mechanical shutter, but also an electronic shutter. Yeah, exactly. So if you wanted it to be completely quiet, nobody was knowing you're taking mm -hmm. a photo, it can do that. But exactly. then it also has a loud Can slot. I just be honest with everyone in the room right now? I'm three quarter chub. <laughs> Whatever that fucking noise was. <laughs> dude, you sounded like a dude. All I relate it to is like a guy on the sidelines of the NFL. And it's just like. <laughs> Here, you ready? Yeah, dude. Check come this on. out. I need to finish you, off. You, you want, you, <laughs> I you, need to finish. You want to hear some high quality camera noise? Let's do it. You see, the Nikon F has something called a semi-automatic aperture indexing system. Okay. Big freaking words, man. Mm -hmm. Basically, the lens, the light meter needs to know how big the lens is so listen to this you put it in mm. and you're ready good dude have you ever thought about doing asmr no never in my life <sighs> dude start <laughs> dude i subscribe to that only fans <laughs> 10 out of 10 i subscribe i subscribe to that for sure yeah that's hot dude i recommend a fuji to anybody that's yeah. going mirrorless i do too yeah. because like it if you're especially if you're learning too you got shutter speed on a dial you have aperture on a dial now it's all digital where you have to like or uh, canon uh nikon z's canon r's the other big mirrorless brands they don't have 
have that. They're not made like a Fujifilm. Right. Or not made like a film camera. What do you think about the data packs, though? The data Fuji, packs? Fujifilm photos are a bigger size file. Considerably mm-hmm. larger file. Oh, yeah. Considerably. Yeah, but that's why you get the color profile that you get with a Fujifilm camera. Oh, yeah. The, the sensor in a Fujifilm camera is very different than the sensor in a Nikon or a Canon or anything else like that there. It's made to emulate um, the color the stock and the look of film that's fucking god dude honestly like god bless you thank you <laughs> that the noises you were making earlier fuck, <laughs> get my number after this okay. uh dude no but it's it's interesting man to say the least like that you're you're so indelved in both worlds um and i guess like uh, do you have any advice for like uh, some a youngster out there? Because we actually didn't even talk about how old you are. Are you 25? 23. 23? Damn, so close. <laughs> so close. Uh, when do you turn 24? January. <sighs> I was even closer. You're basically 23 and a half. I'm a Capricorn, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a meme the other day of like the planets aligned and it was like, stop blaming me for your problems. Uh, I love that. Poor shout, planets, man. Uh, shout out to Alonzo. He's the one who posted that. Um, but anyways, no. So do you have any advice for uh, any youngsters out there, 12, 13, 14, that are like, yeah, I like taking pictures on my phone, but like they want to get into it. Oh, get a camera. You know what I mean? 100%. So is your advice like just go do it? Yeah. that's a, There's the only one way that you can get better. And I, I, t- I tell this advice to photographers that I've trained for the newspaper. I tell this advice to even people that are thinking about getting into photography. Uh, if you're 12, 13, you like taking photos on a phone, on a tablet, and whatever, get a camera. Get a camera and keep it at your side, always. Always have it. And always start shooting. Shoot everything. Shoot the window, shoot cartel lights, shoot, I don't know, ankles, feet. Don't sell it just yet. Yeah. But <laughs> do whatever you feel that you're happy with with that camera. That's a good point. Hold yeah. on real get, soon. Get all of those close-up photos of flowers yeah. out of out of your system. Exactly. And oh, then you can take nice some that. really good photos. Oh, no, no. Like, honestly, to this day, sometimes I'll be like... Some days I wonder, oh, yeah, this is going to be a great role. I had some great shots in here. I was like, some days I just swear I love to just hear the shutter go off. I have a question real quick. Is it illegal? So if you're shooting foot stuff, <laughs> the the model obviously has to be 18 or older. Yeah, so we're I imagine che- so. We're checking IDs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not that you are, but whatever. If you're getting into foot stuff. Um, my question is, can the shooter be under 18? Can can a 13-year-old shoot a boudin? Or a bedroom shoot. I um, you What's know, what's the rules on that? Is I there think a rule? I'm I think sure. they could shoot foot stuff because it's not technically nudity, but boudoir. That's pushing it. How because are you I would that? say so. Boudoir. 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 Yes. You, go. you got it. But uh, I actually have experience with this. When I was 17, um, one of my former coworkers um, wanted to get boudoir photos done for her husband fuck that's hot oh man and that's hot. um she asked me if i would do them and i was like i don't know like that's how comfortable situation. you are with that i can do them maybe when i turn 18 <laughs> but then it seems weird that we waited to do them mm-hmm. i was like i'm fine with this but like i don't know I don't want to put you in a weird situation. That's a sticky and pickle. And then we never ended up doing them, and she does not like me. She blocked me on Facebook. <laughs> That's a sticky pickle. Personally, yeah. personally, Honestly, if yeah. you are under the age of 18, I don't think you should be doing like boudoir yeah, stuff. I don't think you should. I think that there is a, f- like, there's, and, and, and it's not only for you. 
like if you're if you're 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, whatever. Um, you know, learn the basics of portraiture if you're getting into that. Right. And start taking after, senior photos after dealing with people yeah, your age. Learn learn to do the basics of it and hone your craft. And, and honestly, if you want to do that, what does a twelve year old know about being sexy? All right, tighten up, dude. All but, right. So yes. let's fucking let's just put it <laughs> at that. I just you you mentioned that. Yeah. Like take f- pictures of feet, don't sell them. <laughs> yeah. And I was just thinking, I was like, well, the fuck well, is it's what? kind of a joke. I'm just offering well, it. You know? Also <laughs> when well, like I feel like a lot of people when they learn their camera or like they get a new camera they try to do everything like we mentioned like macro shots of flowers or whatever but like like, learn the camera learn how to do long exposures learn how to do some like hdr photos and Mm -hmm. overlay them learn like learn all the basics you can you can do some really cool shit with hdr which i didn't learn until i was in college at ivy tech Mm -hmm. if you take any real estate photos hdr yep that's 100 hdr is basically you take different like three different exposures of a photo and then you overlay them. Yeah. So the the exposure where the sky looks really good but everything else is really dark, that's the one you use for the sky. Mm, the photo like where and the nice part your is, is subject about looks good but Fuji the sky film. is blown out, mm-hmm. you combine them. The I nice part about it is like my our Fujifilm cameras, you can set it up and so like I can literally set up an HDR and say take five photos all one stop from each other yep. and then it blends them all together into one photo. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to edit it half the time for real estate. Wonderful. My one of my last big questions I have for you that I wanted to ask today because mm-hmm. you have a phenomenal Instagram, which by the way is Josh underscore S underscore Meredith M E R E D-I-T-H. I probably need to change that. Uh, no, it's fine. I think it's great. You have a really great profile. So well, hats off you. to you. I really like a lot of your shots on here. Um, but out of all the shoots you've ever done, has there been one that has stuck out that like... I So there's a book that I read a long time ago, a show... What was it called? It was like the show that I'll never forget or something like that. And it was about a photographer who shot like a fucking pixies concert or something Mm -hmm. but like he it was a so monumental that he like the event itself like he wrote an entire 300 page book about it oh wow is there a shoot that sticks out in your mind right now that you're like man if i had to i could write a book about that you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. did you ever have a gig like that or is that like something that's on the horizon that you're chasing that's something i'm on the horizon of chasing there are many shoots out there that i kind of think about that are just really that do really do stick out like amazing stories here and there. Another great example is um, you see the one with the flames. Oh, in the top right here. Yeah, yeah. in the top right here. Yeah, it's my friend Rush. He's a great musician. He's from dressed Hansville. very nice, by the way. Wonderful guy. Yeah, we were doing this, and it was part of a. Um, this is his album cover for his single called Alone, hmm. and we were. He had hired me to shoot the music video for it, and. I said, well, what are your ideas for this type of video? He goes, well, the idea behind the song is my girlfriend cheated on me. and I'm, I'm going to kill her. <laughs> exactly. Because Earl's dead, you know. In the, in the was song. that it? No, no, no. He killed her? No, oh, no, no. He didn't oh, kill her. Sorry, I was, I was yes-anding you. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the Dixie Chick song? It's like the Earl's dead or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, Earl's dead. <laughs> yeah, you are correct. But um, no, the story was is that he wanted to have this narrative that there was a piano that his girlfriend owned and he took it into a field and he set it on fire. Fuck yeah, dude. And I was like, hell yeah, man, let's do it. And he, we got a piano and 
he said, well, I had to pay a hundred bucks for the piano. And I, I couldn't take these free pianos to say, go to a good home, you know, cause we're going to set the fucker on fire. <laughs> but we it's a had, heartbreaker. It is. We did name it Clifford because that was the warranty on it. It was a dude named Clifford <laughs> and we set Clifford on fire and, um, we bought all the rubber cement in the next three counties and we I set it on fire. I have to bleep Clifford. <laughs> it sounds like we're talking about a person. Uh, no, 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 no. You it, set Clifford clarify. on fire. Yeah, Clifford, we set, Clifford is a piano. Clifford is a piano. Let's get them straight here. <laughs> when we set him on fire, he's a great guy. He's yeah. dead now. but um, Yeah, he's a good guy. But we got the music video of him playing the piano while it's on fire. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And... At the very end of the shot, I remember that our assistant, Zane, was holding a light just right above him with his phone flashlight. Yeah. And it was so dark that I remember just telling him, it's like, hold still. Like, just if you move, I swear. I, <laughs> You're going on top of this goddamn I, piano. I, I'm going to throw you on top of the goddamn piano. <laughs> like, I am. <laughs> but somehow it turned out it's a in hindsight it's a bit maybe a bit too saturated than what i do now but this is an example of just a crazy thing that just happened and i think with i think that's what makes a photo good it's not only the story behind it but it's uh you know the happenings the happenings yeah how it how the art comes to life exactly like the greatest um even in photojournalism the uh there's a great photojournalist i used to study his name is ouija his name was Arthur Fellig, but everybody called him Ouija. He said, the best thing that you can do as a photojournalist is F8 and be there. Put the camera in F8 and just be there. That's half of it. That's fuck all you yeah. need. Is F8 for fuck yeah? Yeah, uh, F8 is for fuck yeah. It's a fuck yeah, yeah stop. <laughs> fuck yeah, stop. Yeah. Uh, dude, like that's that. intense, man. Um, no, man. So so your best, your best advice to any youngsters out there that are, that are getting... Oh, is that Andrew in a shot? Yeah, yeah. it is. Look no, at him. Is. Look at him go. This this show was, was phenomenal. I loved the show that Strangers fucking killed it, but mm. some of the best concert photography I've ever done, in, in my opinion. This, yeah, you shoot like a show. lot of black and white. How long did that... Like I feel like black and white's like a weird, but yeah, tricky niche. It is. Um, it's because I learned on it. You know, like I learned how to print and develop it and do it like that. And I feel like I have a really... I feel like I have like a really interesting, uh, how do I say it, like love of black and white. It's hard to say. And it's not a love-hate relationship either. It's just that I'm obsessed with it. Right. <laughs> I think that color in a way is distracting. If you photograph something in color, you're being completely like harassed. You're not harassed, but being, um, I wouldn't say harassed, more like being overwhelmed with stimuli. Yeah. Your eyes are being stimulated. The cones in your eyes are seeing color and you're being drawn away from what actually makes the photograph. Yeah. yeah. If the, this, if this photo was in color, mm-hmm. you'd see all the different colors of these people's shirts, the trees in the background, Hundred percent. but black and white you just you're focusing on right on sister her. cindy the here forefront. Mm-hmm. and 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 there's there's a passion in or, or a sadness in this forefront and you feel that i yeah. like that she's very intense like i feel like the the camera captures a bit of the aura yeah and you if you look at if you look at her i mean she's what type of person do you think she is oh dude she's for sure friends with my grandmother <laughs> uh and they probably 
I don't know. They probably play cards. Yeah, not saying not saying anything about here or there about Sister Cindy. But um, when you photograph a person, I'm saying something about Sister Cindy. <laughs> Do you she's, know who Sister Cindy is? No, she's friends with my grandmother now, though. <laughs> my my grandmother's dead. Yeah, just so we're clear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, Sister Cindy was an evangelical Christian speaker. You know, she uh, basically goes to campus calling all the girls hoes. And geez, uh, that's aggressive. Yes, it really is. <laughs> and that's look, she's look made at her a shirt. name for she herself. She says, "I'm a ho no mo." I'm a ho no oh, mo. No. But she is like the only the only thing about it is shock factor. It's a hundred percent. I love that's that. somebody that's ashamed of all the orgies they attended in the seventies. Well, let's not assume she's been in any orgies. But she's not is... a ho no mo. She's been in orgies. Oh, well, there is admittance there. That's true. But the, the it, it really is interesting. Like when I approach something like this, I I try to do the best thing I can as a photojournalist. Are you afraid of allegiance? Allegiance? Yeah, like the plane. So, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, yeah, they crash a lot, just so we're clear. But no, I mean, Allegiance, they do. Just, you could Google how many Allegiance planes <laughs> crashed. They crash a lot, just yeah. for the record. I flew it once. It's, it's freaky. <laughs> Dicey. Yeah. Uh, no, but Allegiance, too. So, you, you shoot uh, Sister Sydney? Cindy. Sister Cindy, yeah. Cindy. Uh, Sister Sydney, Cindy here. And do you think that people see these shots and they're like, oh, he's a fucking right-wing evangelical. He fucking hates fucking... I get what you're saying, you, yeah. Allegiance to a part... We don't do politics, but like, mm-hmm. that's my question is like, what do you... Do you think that politics bleed into art? Not necessarily. I don't want to talk about one yeah. over the o- other. But politics like, can, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you I, when I photograph something like this, photojournalism perspective... The best thing you should do as a journalist is to be objective. Mm-hmm. And the best thing I can do, say, speaking politically, is I'm not doing anything besides putting them in a frame. And whatever they're doing, whatever they're seeing, is what actually happened. Yeah. And whatever they're doing that's either, I don't know, politically this way, politically that way, right. is all their own doing. It's just... You know, they're the ones doing it. I'm just the one with the camera. That's a neat way to put it that you're, I'm just putting them in a frame. For me, that's a neat way to put it. With these photos, it definitely comes across as like a neutral stance Mm -hmm. because you're, you're clearly showing like whatever confrontation is going here, going Mm -hmm. on here. And then, yeah, Karen is super pissed. You show both sides (laughs) this proud hoe. And then I know that woman. She's a great lady. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry. No, 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 no. It's funny though. It's funny. <laughs> she kind of looked like her name could be Karen. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, I, that's, that's all I wondered is like, are you afraid of allegiance? I'm not afraid of allegiance. I find that it's better to do it objectively. I find it's better that you don't have allegiance. You're in, it sounds like you're living in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's best too. And honestly, I feel like that's a note that a lot of people could take out of, your book or a a page that people could like take out of your book is that Mm -hmm. like really just we could all live a little more in the moment yeah um which is hard to do with a camera it's hard to do with technology and well yeah but i'm just saying like i found myself carrying my camera all the time and then you're at events and you're like only taking pictures and then like you realize at the end of the event that all you have are these pictures like you don't really necessarily you weren't there in the moment i have a fun thought here that is my fun thought is um it's funny you say that tom because the fun thought that i have is that like if you are a true artist and a true photographer i look at you guys as like a warrior as like a you're going into battle 
and your battle is to record and present accordingly the event that is happening. And it's not to be a part of, it's not to enjoy, it's not to boast or brag. It is to just simply, like Josh is saying, live in the moment, Mm -hmm. like be in the moment and put it in a frame. Yep. So, yeah, do you lose out? For sure. Did you get to hold a picket sign? No, you didn't. But 50 years from now, Someone looking at that picture may look at that and be like, man, I feel like I'm there mm-hmm. holding a picket sign. It's it's part of the history about it, too, is yeah. that Bill Curtis, another great reporter, um, he works for, wait, wait, don't tell me now. He's a great guy. But um, <laughs> I don't know him, but I imagine he's a great guy. But um, he has a quote about journalism, which I really enjoy, is that I'm paraphrasing here, but a journalist looks at it objectively. And the reason that they do it is because when they do look at something objectively without taking signs. They're giving a license to observe it all. They're giving a license to observe everything from every side, from every angle, uh, a, a carefree license to document what's in front of them. And that's honestly the best way to go about it, is you need to be able to approach a situation with, um, out leaning, with, without leaning left, without leaning right. You need to be able to you know, conversate with people. You need to be able to be comfortable around whoever, because the, one, the moment you do, the moment they get comfortable, the moment anybody gets comfortable, their true self starts to show out. And who's there with the camera but the photographer? It's true. <laughs> That's true. Like, so, um, has so there ever been a bullshit. dark moment on your photography journey where like, you just wanted to set the camera up or rip all your darkroom stuff down? and like Just be yeah. done. Just I'm fucking done with you, this. You don't have to go in the moment necessarily, but like what pulled you through that? There's times where, you know, it can be rough. There's, and that's saying for anything. And, you know, I mean, there's, I mean, there's definitely been times where I'm literally developing something in the lab. I remember when I was in art school, you know, just processing something and being so angry that this is what I took a photo of or that I know I can do better. Just being so incredibly disappointed in yourself. That I remember, you know, ripping up pictures. I remember throwing pans. I remember, you know, being pissed. Like, you don't know if it's you. You don't know if it's the moment you're in. You don't know if it's the art. You don't know if you suck. You don't know anything. But, I mean, there, in order to improve, there's always a dark night of the soul, man. There's, like, has to be something to make you feel that way. Like, I feel like, in my experience, there's been... I wouldn't say there's been a major thought that I have always wanted to get rid of, that I've been wanting to get rid of photography. There's been times where I've, you know, had slow moments where I think, you know, is this really for me? Is this really what I should have been studying for five years? What gets you through that, though? What gets me through that is, at the end of the day, you're reminded why you joined it in the first place. At the end of the day, like some days I go into the lab, five rolls of film, thinking, why the fuck do I do this? You know, thinking, why do I bother myself putting, going through all this work? Right. Then you put it in a can, you develop it, you take it out, and you look at it up to the light. And you say, okay. That's why. That's why. 100%. Beautiful shots. It's interesting, man. It's, uh, it's an art form, especially the analog. It's an art form that's dying. 
Uh, I think it's coming. I think there's a slight resurgence. Oh, it's a huge resurgence now. Uh, can we blame the hipsters? Maybe. Maybe. I. Uh, you know what I say it is? I think it's 2020, man. Dude. I think it's when people are in quarantine and they're, you know, they're losing their loved ones oh. and they realize the people that they've lost and they realize some of them, you know, they never even had any physical pictures of them. Yeah. And after 2020 was a major resurgence of it. Codex had to rush higher, I don't know, 440 new technicians, open up two new factories just to keep up with the demand of film. But the, the demand for something physical is always there. And I appreciate the shit out of it, man. Uh, there's something to be said about putting, you know, hand to paper and like dipping in these chemicals and like doing, doing the work that you do. So I'm very, very impressed, man. Um, thank you. Uh, so we'd like to give you the last couple minutes for, for personal shout outs or, or where people can find you, where can somebody book you if they want photos taken, mm-hmm. yeah. all that jazz. Yeah. I mean, it's all you, man. So the last couple minutes. Well, the most, um, you can find me on Instagram at Josh S. Meredith, M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H. See a uh, a person there with long hair and an ugly mug. That's me. Almost weird Al Yankovic. Almost weird Al Yankovic. Very <laughs> yeah. close, like a cousin, like a cousin. But yeah, I'd like to thank you both for having me on here. You know, I've never been on a podcast, so this is pretty far out. I kind of like it. Well, yeah. dude. <laughs> thanks for coming, uh, man. It's been it's been a hell of a time. And know? then who's helped you to get to where you are? You know, shout outs to anybody. Oh, definitely. You have to tell them about this episode, though. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'd like to shout out um, my mentor, Rob Dickus. I don't know if he'll listen, but if you are, love you, man. You're great. <laughs> I also love Rob Dickus. I um, I don't I don't know him nearly as well, but he is he saved my ass last semester. I was in a bunch of classes I didn't need to be in, and he caught that. And man is a wizard. Yeah, like I don't know how he does it, but he is a wizard, dude. I like this Dickus guy. <laughs> uh, who else you got? Shout out to you know the art faculty at USI for putting up with my shit for five years. Um, shout out to my parents. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> that's it. I'm sorry. That's it. That's what I got. <laughs> I'm so sorry, mom and dad. Uh, dude, you could have done anything for the last two hours, but you came down to uh, the West Side. You know, you hung out with the Catholics, uh, you know, over here by modern day. So, uh, just really, really greatly appreciate you coming down and, and spilling your story, man. Seriously, like, we've we've learned a lot about you, a lot of personal stuff. So, uh, for that, I thank you. And Tom, uh, I don't know if he's like asleep over here, so we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I love when I find another Fuji film lover. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's so many, there's so few of us now. I you know. know I mean? A dying breed. Yeah. Not a dying uh, breed, but you so, know if they have a Fuji film camera. You know, like, they're, no, they're, they're up to some, they're up to yeah. some shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> Josh was talking about earlier, if um, people are like trying to get into photography just get a camera definitely and yeah you can start on your phone that's kind of what i did yeah but i want a new camera so if anyone wants to buy my camera i will gladly sell it to you (laughs) (laughs) just throwing that out there what kind of camera do you have it's it's like the perfect beginner camera it's a canon uh t5 so it's kind of old but it is a yeah, great they like a classic. They have like T7s and T9s now. Yeah, it's yeah. it's. I wonder if 50 years from now the hipsters are big shooting Canon Rebel T5s. Yeah. I don't think the hipsters are going to use DSLR cameras at all. Yeah, yeah. just wet plate collodion. You yeah. know what I mean? 
It's like just put it in a dark room. We'll, we'll just put egg white and lavender all over. It's gonna be great, man. All right, guys, I got an idea. We're all gonna take acid. Like, oh, <laughs> dude, fucking Gerald, settle oh, down, man. dude. If you ever meet a guy named Gerald, he's a hipster, uh, dude. Honestly, dude, I'm ser- I'm pumped. I'm so glad I got to know you today, man. You're a really great dude. Thank you. Um, and seriously, Josh, it's been nothing short of a pleasure. Uh, I think this has been a very uh, very educational uh, podcast. Oh, what do you want you guys? It's been another thrilling episode of the Days Grim. My name is Brian Michael Day. My name is Thomas Grimm. And I am Drew Head. This has been Mr. None Other Than Josh Meredith. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Well, thank Great you for having me, man. Seriously. Great to meet all of you. Spin it you up, well. Daddy. If you liked what you heard today, there will be a new episode next Tuesday, as well as every Tuesday at 6 a.m. So hit that subscribe button and let your phone do all the work for you.